is everybody nervous? No. No, but we will be, right? <laughs> no, well, now I am. No. <laughs> it's not live. First so. question, where were you on the night of June 15th? You know? oh, Whoa, wait a minute. Welcome back to another episode of CF Speaks, a podcast produced by faculty and students at the College of Central Florida. My name is James Dees. I am a professor of digital media here at the college, and this podcast was sponsored by the CF Foundation. Today we are going to talk to Professor Ira Holmes about the CF International Film Series, which has just been renamed the Ira Holmes International Film Series. This uh, film series is now 60 years old. It is uh, quite possibly the oldest international film series in the state of Florida. Professor Holmes started the international film series and presided over it during its nascent years. Joining us later on will be Peggy Dates and Joe Zimmerman, both of whom had a long tenure overseeing the international film series. Mr. Ira Holmes, thank you so much for joining us. What was, um, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about the film series, the officially now Ira Holmes International Film Series. I, one, appreciate that. Number two, as far as I'm concerned, it will always be the college film series or the community film series. Okay, but that's reality. Because without the community support, without the college support, and without the support of the, the past directors, okay, there would be no film series. Oh, it's just man. that simple, okay? So the films are important. The venue's important, okay? We've had four venues on this campus now, uh, including the Weber Center. Uh, but without the support of the community and the college, okay, there would be no film series. Just that simple. So so from my viewpoint, it's the community or the college film series. But if you want to call it the Iowa Holmes Film Series, spell my name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, great. No ego in, involved. But I, I think you deserve it uh, because you started the film series, right? Right. I've heard that. Yes. Can you tell? Can you tell us about the beginning of the film series and and what made you start it? How you started it? Did you you invested all your own money into it or? <laughs> <laughs> that that didn't take very much, right? You know, when I came to the college, we were paid uh, four thousand dollars a year. Now you have to adjust that for inflation, of course. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, but I think the real beginning. You know, history is, my field is history and humanities, okay? And when you talk about the beginning, you go back and back and back to understand, you know, the Roman Empire, you have to understand the Greek uh, uh, city-states. You know. So I don't want to go quite that far back, but I do want to go back uh, to high school <clears throat> a long time ago. And uh, uh, two, two events in high school. Number one, uh, this was in Deland, Florida, uh, 60 miles away from here. And um, <clears throat> my dad had an orange grove, uh, which is a great business to be in, <clears throat> unless you have a hard freeze. <laughs> we had two hard freezes, okay? It's hard to imagine two years without income, okay? And back then, there's not much in the way of backup 
uh, programs. Yeah, what what year are we talking about? What where are you taking us? I have finally reached the point where <laughs> I am prepared to be a little bit specific. <clears throat> okay, okay. But, uh, but first, a story, a short story. Okay, <laughs> so this was uh, maybe a year and a half ago when we still had ca- classes on campus. When I was on campus, and I walked into uh, the first day of class. I was a few minutes early, which happens on occasion, <clears throat> and uh, and I'm looking at the students, and the student in the back of the room raised his hand, and he said, uh, he, he's waving. I said, yes, yes, and he said, just how old are you? I've never had that happen before, but I've, <laughs> I've reached that point. You know, <clears throat> and I went over to him, and I said, I will answer that question if you agree to say these words. And he said, sure. Okay. So I gave him the words. I went back uh, to the front of the class, and I said, are there any questions? He said, just how old are you? And I said, 76. And he said, that's the spirit. (laughs) Now, two footnotes there. (laughs) Number one, nowadays you have to explain the spirit of 76 because you can't assume that everybody uh, relates to the painting, you know, or the the story there. Number two, I thought afterwards, from somebody who is, uh, say, 17, 18, 19 years old, okay, uh, the difference between 76 and 86 or 66, you're over there, you're way, way on the other side of the frontier, okay? There's really no difference, okay? Uh, and so uh, I, have, I have reached uh, the point partly because of uh, doctors asking me, well, just how old are you? You know, have you fallen? All these questions they ask, okay. So I am now uh, 87 years old. I can't believe that, you know. It's just, it's just know astonishing, why. okay. <laughs> I know, it's astonishing. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, and so this all goes back to uh, 1950 or 51. I'm gonna say 51, okay. I graduated from high school in 52. Uh, and uh, we had no, we had little money, okay. Uh, and Stetson in the land had uh, a film showing uh, at the religious center called All Quiet on the Western Front. And I, th- I think we went because it was free, okay. Uh, this was the first time that I recall seeing a film that just really grabbed me, okay, because a lot of movies in, in the 50s were pretty ordinary, you know, some special ones, but mostly pretty ordinary, okay, and, uh, and I can testify to that for reasons I'll mention in a minute. Uh, and this film was like, there's just so many ways, if you're familiar with the film, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, in Germany, I think in Berlin, but maybe not, the master teacher, because he was master, okay? Uh, And war breaks out, and everybody uh, volunteers uh, to go to war, okay? Including the teacher, who now is the drill sergeant, okay? Uh, And so it's a very touching movie. Uh, And the realities of war, okay? After you get done with all the idealism, the realities are horrible, okay? And in the very last scene, there's this dramatic moment, which I'm not going to tell you about because it'll, it'll spoil it, okay? Um, and I, 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 it was just, wow, okay? Because <clears throat> I think, I don't know if it's solely the United States, but particularly in the United States, we love happy endings. We love happy endings, okay? Uh, and there's, a, there's another German film uh, called The Last Laugh, I think 1921, 1922, which is this old man who's probably like 55 or 60, okay, has been the doorman of this grand hotel, okay. Uh, and one day the manager notices that he stumbles carrying a suitcase or something like that, and he thinks he's too old to have the job, so he's demoted 
to the washroom. Okay, he loses his uniform. He's in. He's in he can't tell his children. He can't tell his parents. You know, I'm not the doorman anymore. I'm working in the men's room. Okay, uh, and it's really, it's really a sad movie. Okay. And, and in the United States, they said, we can't release a film like that. People will not, you know, they're going to tell everybody, don't see this movie. You know, it's just, it's just a tragic film. And so they shot an extra 10 minutes, eight, nine, 10 minutes, uh, in which he buys a lottery ticket. He wins the lottery. He buys the hotel. <laughs> and, and there's our happy ending. So you're saying that All Quiet on the Western Front, which I haven't seen, ends with them skipping off into a field of daisies. Yes. Great. Okay. Love okay. it. I can't but, wait to see but, it. But here's the second reason, okay? Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, I, uh, because we didn't have much money coming in, I had to get a job, which was fine. I was old enough to get a job. That job was at the Athens Theater uh, in Deland. So, and I was really an usher with a uniform, you know, and a little cap, you know, Florida <laughs> State Theaters and all that. So, so I saw a lot of movies in the 50s, <laughs> okay? Uh, and, uh, and it just awakened me to uh, this whole world of, 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 of not just entertainment, but meaningful films. Here's the surprising thing. We had two theaters in Deland. The Athens Theater, where I worked, which was like the first theater, okay? I'm pausing because, because we remember we have to be more inclusive, and that's really important today. We actually had three theaters in the land, okay? Two white, one black, okay? But no white people went to the black people, and the truth is no black people came to the white theater. And I clearly remember uh, one, one day there was a delegation of blacks that came to the theater uh, and asked if they could sit in the balcony if that's allowed in some towns, not other towns. And the manager said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I guess under the theory, if you open the door a little bit, there's no telling yeah. what, what that will lead to. And I've never forgotten that. So in, in the two theaters that we could go to, two white theaters, uh, the Athens Theater, first, first one movies, but the other movie was the Drieka Theater. Uh, and, and that's where I learned the difference between air-cooled and air-conditioned. Okay, air cooled. You've got fans. <laughs> okay, big, big, big difference in the summer. Okay, and so this ratty old theater. Okay, and we, we, it was it was said that you needed three sticks when you went in there, <clears throat> two to hold up uh, the chairs. Okay, and the third to beat off the rats. Okay, that's an exaggeration. Okay. <laughs> but they showed these old films that nobody else would run. It's hard to realize movies were shown and then just put in a warehouse. That was it. <clears throat> and so they showed these great films from the 1930s, and not so great films. But I thought, there's a whole world here that I'm not even aware of. So from these experiences, from the Stetson film, All Quiet on the Western Front, to the Athens, Athens Theater, first one films, the Drieka Theater, the whole repertoire of films, uh, I really had an interest in, fil an interest in film. Uh, and then, back then, it was very normal. Uh, for colleges and universities to have a film series, okay? Florida State had a film series, University of Florida had a film series. And then I came to Ocala, okay? And <clears throat> there was no way that you could see international films. It just, it just was, it was impossible, literally impossible. Uh, the closest we could get would be Orlando. I remember driving down to uh, 
uh, Winter Park, the Colony Theater, to see La Dolce Vita. And I'm glad, I'm glad I saw it. Man, what an amazing film, okay? Okay, and one of those films where, and again, I, I don't want to give the film away because you have something to look forward to if you haven't seen it, okay? It's like, oh my gosh, this guy that, that you admire, who's got everything going for him, He's, got a, he's a professor at the local university, beautiful woman for a, a, a wife, uh, two amazing children, and he commits suicide. And it's like it's not expected, okay? But outwardly, he had everything going. Inwardly, it was a different story. And then uh, to see a film like that, you had to drive to Winter Park. That was it. And I thought, why don't we have a film series here, okay? And so this was in... Uh, um, 1961, and it started as a. Do you have more than one question? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So I, I I tried to figure out a way of having uh, films here, and the way we did it was by having a student club. It was a student film club. It started as a, a student club, uh, but the films were open to members of the community. And we had like an annual fee of $2. <clears throat> and if I had done my homework, I would have adjusted that for inflation. I, 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 it might be like $5, $10 now uh, uh, for the season, okay? Um, and we had maybe 100 members, I mean, people from the community and from the college uh, that really supported the film series. Mm -hmm. So that's really, <laughs> that's really the beginning, okay, way back then, okay? Nobody, nobody, including me, <clears throat> had any idea that uh, 60 years later, I'd be telling stories about you know, way, back, way back then. Uh, indeed, the truth of the matter is, okay, uh, I had no idea that uh, I'd be even at the college, you know, because I came, <clears throat> it's not like I've always dreamed about being a teacher, you know, things just, just happen. And, uh, uh, but then you, 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 you graduate and you think, what am I gonna do now? Uh, and teaching made uh, some sense. And back then, um, and it's hard to realize it now, okay, the people of Florida and uh, the people of, of this tri-county area had the vision and the faith to believe in higher education. Because back then, we're talking 1960, actually we go back to the mid-50s, okay, when the planning was done, and the, the insight of somebody and others at the University of Florida, James Wartenbarger, had this, this idea, concept, this dream, that if people could not afford to go off to college, and that was reality, okay? Uh, back then, Florida had three universities, Gainesville, the University of Florida, uh, Florida State College for Women, okay, and Florida A&M. So if you did not live in Gainesville, if you did not live uh, in Tallahassee, you had to go off to college with all the expenses of room and board as well as tuition and books. And he had this dream of bringing colleges to the community. And that, that was uh, the real beginning <clears throat> of two-year colleges. We had two-year colleges before in West Palm Beach uh, going back to the 1930s. But he had this dream of bringing two-year colleges within driving distance of 95 or 96% of the people in Florida. You could live at home, eat at home, pay your tuition, buy your books, and go to college at home. 
and we bought into that. We were one of the first uh, two-year colleges uh, in, in Florida. Uh, and way back then, we had people coming uh, from Orlando and Leesburg and Gainesville, because Gainesville did not have a two-year college. And it was, it was just an awesome vision, okay? Uh, and I think, I, I try not to be cynical. It's very easy to be cynical, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes I am. But I think if somebody had a dream like that today, the response would be, well, uh, we can't afford that. Mm. Okay. Now, you know, people do have that dream today, isn't that right, of extending higher uh, education to everybody, okay, free. Uh, and, and some people, uh, like in West Virginia, are saying, we can't afford that. We can't afford that, okay. So anyway, that's, this is, it's a different age. So, uh, so here I am. Uh, and, and I have to give thanks because the, the second year I was here, I was ready uh, to leave, to, uh, to do something else, to travel. I don't remember what it was, okay? Uh, and the assistant to the president, Wayne Millard, called me into his office, and he said, let me give you some advice. I said, sure. And he said, it's a mistake just to leave because when you come back, there may not be a position. He said, stay here for a third year. You'll have tenure, okay? And then when you leave, then you can come back. You've got a job waiting for you if you want to come back. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Three years to tenure. This, this is classical mythology. <laughs> uh, it, 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 this, this is a long, long time ago, okay? Uh, and things have changed. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and part of the reality there is, is my, my dream was to, to get a job in Daytona Beach or somewhere on the beach because, you know, I'm a kid, you know. <laughs> I, want, I want to be on the beach, okay? And, uh, and I applied for a position at, at Daytona. Uh, and mm, things went very well uh, at ev every level. I'm in the president's office, said it looks really good. <clears throat> and then like Columbo, you know, <laughs> whose most famous line is what? As he turns around, about to go out the door, turns around and says, oh, just one more thing, <laughs> okay? And the president said, uh, well, how many, how many education courses do you have? And I said, my field is history. And he said, well, you need nine hours in education or we can't hire you. And I said, well, I'll, t I'll take the nine hours. He said, we can't do that. You need the nine hours. Thank you very much. And I was dismissed. I was literally, literally dismissed. <clears throat> and and on, on the way back, uh, I, I came through Ocala. I had a friend here. Uh, and as she said, uh, the president has just resigned. The first president just resigned. Uh, and some faculty members are leaving. Why don't you apply for a position here? And I did. And I said, you know, I don't have any hours in education. And they said, well, you can take them. <laughs> I said, okay, fine, <laughs> that's fine, okay. Tell that to the other guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> listen, you, you, you know, you, you, one is thankful for what happens that works out right, and the other stuff you just try to forget, okay. So what was, did you have to learn to, to, to make the film series happen? No, that, no, that's really a good question, okay. Uh, and uh, there was a man by the name of Fielding at the University of Florida mm -hmm. uh, who... who not only had a film series, but there was sort of a sort of a league of film series throughout the state of Florida. I, I, I talked with him for advice. He was very, very helpful, okay, about what needed to be done. And at the top of that list, he said, he said, some distributors will work with you. Okay, you found this out. And others will say, that's the list price, you know. But he said, explain to them. It's a small college. You're just getting started, and you don't have a lot of money. And yeah, you have to pay public performance rights for the films. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so, 
uh, and we're talking film, film now. We're not talking video. You know, it's like you know, film. Uh, and at places like Cinema Guild and Janus Films uh, were really good about helping. You know, they gave they gave huge discounts, like fifty percent discount. We could not have done it otherwise. Okay, well, I've talked an awful lot on, on, on one question. I hope I answered the question of how I got started in all of this and the help, the help I received uh, from Dr. Fielding at the University of Florida. And, uh, and once again, the, the, the positive response of, of members of the community uh, and, and, and attending, okay? And, and something which, which I've, I've wondered about, and I'm, I'm sure you have as well, okay, both of you, is like times have changed. Okay, back then this was the only source of, of foreign films. Okay, um, and now it may well be that we're the oldest film society or film league, whatever you want to call it, uh, at least in the state of Florida, maybe in the South, because they, they most of them are now gone. Uh, and so <clears throat> to have that support and have that interest. But my question is this: Why do people still come to the film series? We have dozens of streaming channels. Okay, um, on occasion, uh, international films are shown actually in, in Ocala, uh, and so so why do they come? And I've thought about that. I know you have as well. Okay, and and I can think of a few reasons. Okay, not necessarily at the top of the list. Okay, uh, but the fact that they are free with voluntary contributions that's an incentive for some people. Okay, fair enough. Okay, but I think a second reason is. There's something about seeing a film with other people and, and not alone, okay? It's a shared experience. And that, it, some, sometimes the audience just really comes together, you know, and, and, and people are applauding, okay? What are you applauding? It's a screen, you know? It's not like the director is here, but you can't, you can't help but applaud. Or sometimes, like that, you can just feel the audience is, is together. So it's, it's a communal experience, that's really important. I think a third reason, and I'm happy to hear your comments on this as well, <clears throat> is that, like I'm doing right now, it's, it's really fun to talk about the film afterwards, okay, and, and to give people who come the opportunity to talk, but also, just as important, the people who don't want to talk have the opportunity to slip away, okay? So, <laughs> well, and that's fine. It, it makes it very optional, okay? So and I think maybe a fourth reason and this is true in life, like, like brushing your teeth and flossing and all that, it becomes a habit. People who come to the film series are, are used to that schedule and they think, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's Tuesday, it's time for a film series. Okay. Interesting, yeah. So uh, I guess then we'll bring um, uh, Miss Peggy Dates in, right? And then um, Mr. Joe Zimmerman, right? Uh, what, do you do all want to respond to Iris' question? Why do people still see films? Yes, I, I would like to. The... Um, the people who come to the Appleton, where I present them, it um, first I think they come for the cultural experience. What I found, because uh, a lot of people will come up and they'll say, this is the only place we can see an international film, and they like that. Then it's a, a social and a community event. They come, uh, they come in groups. 
they leave in groups and they go to dinner. So it's a social event. And a lot of times when the summer comes and we don't show them anymore, the people will say, what do we do now? They'll be sitting in the seats after the film and they'll say, what are we going to do on Tuesday afternoons? And we, have, we can't get together. Some, they only see each other at that event. I've also had uh, some people during the holidays, they'll bring their college-age grandchildren to see the movies. And not only to see the film, but these people want them to meet their friends. And this, again, is the only time that these people may see those other people. And they want their families to meet them. I think it's all free, the social, the cultural, and the community. Yeah, I agree with uh, Peggy. But And you have to remember this. Films are <clears throat> about groups of people, usually. They're made by large groups of people. I mean, I could sit here and write a poem on a piece of paper. But a film takes hundreds and hundreds of people, and it's a, it's a, it's a social... Uh, it's it's a social work of art, and that's why I think, uh, especially some people of the community, they, they like to stay for the discussion. They like to come to the to the to the movie because uh, they want to be around people because that's how you're really supposed to see a movie. <laughs> but also, uh, over the years, like Iris said, uh, uh, Tuesday, you know, it's Tuesday. It's time for an international film. And doing it year after year after year, built up the audience is extremely sophisticated at, at watching films. You know, uh, we live in an era where there's a lot of movies that are purely entertainment, and that's fine. Purely entertainment, uh, action films, you know, action hero films. But uh, foreign film, excuse me, an international film, you know, you have to uh, buy into it. You have to. You have to access it. Uh, you have to read subtitles, and uh, and people appreciate discussing it afterwards because sometimes uh, they do have questions. And actually, I've learned a lot <laughs> uh, from the from the discussions of the films. The research beforehand too. You learn a lot, <laughs> so you, so you can make the discussion. I had one group one time. Uh, we were doing a film called The Lemon Tree, and it was. Um, it was in Israel, it was political, and it ends up, it's quite sad at the end. But when it finished and I went down to start the discussion, the whole audience burst out in that song, The Lemon Tree. So that's oh. the, the, the spirit of the audience and, and what they're looking for and what they're seeing. And I, I just, I never forgot that. It was just, it was amazing. I just stood there and listened. <laughs> Gives you a good feeling when you host a film. You introduce it, you screen it. Not everybody's going to like the film, but uh, and not everybody stays for the discussion. But uh, I guess that's that's one of my favorite parts is the discussion. Have Have you guys shown an unpopular film or a film that you were specifically worried about showing oh, to yeah. our audience? Well, that's part of what we do, right, Ira? We push, <laughs> put, we we push it a little bit because uh, they're not entertainment films. So I, I think, uh, just off the top of my head, the film that we showed, I think actually over the years we showed it twice, uh, and still controversial, is Birth of a Nation. Okay, uh, and, and Bill Cosby, years ago, when he was more admired than he is now, uh, made a, uh, a 
show called Black History, Lost, Stolen, Strayed, and he talked about uh, Birth of a Nation, and he said it's the first great American film and the most racist, okay? And that just about sums it up. But it is a great film. I mean, D.W. Griffith just pioneered so many techniques in movie making. To overlook that would be a hole in the history of the cinema. And so, the original title was The Klansman. The Klansman. The book was The Klansman, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, he said, I just happened to remember this. He said, okay, uh, in this film, okay, uh, the, the good guys, the cavalry to the rescue are uh, the, the Ku Klux Klan, okay? So, uh, it's hard to watch. Yeah, it is hard to watch. Mm-hmm. So, but there was a, a student at the University of Florida. I can't think of his name now. I'll probably come to me like an hour from now. Okay, he he remastered Birth of a Nation from a, from a black viewpoint. But to show the genius of, of of Griffith, he was honest about that. But to just emphasize just how how racist the film was. So, and we showed that as well. Okay, so uh, yeah, there there are films that will upset people. Um, and I think, you know, you, you want to, you, you get at people a little bit so they're paying attention, but if you get people angry, okay, which is what's happening nowadays, people get angry just like that. When you get angry, you're not listening, okay? Yeah. That's counterproductive, so you don't want to do that. Uh, and I think, <clears throat> you know, I, I would not call, I, I, I was just thinking, in terms of censorship, you know, deciding what film is to, to be shown and not to be uh, shown. Uh, uh, we had one film that was really touching that somebody called the police on, okay, and, uh, and they, they were in the afternoon film, um, and uh, the police came on out, and the film was a, a film from, from Brazil called Pixote, P-I-X-O-T-E, about juvenile delinquency, and the people in the film were off the street, they were not actors, okay, uh, and I think what upset this person <clears throat> was that in one scene, this kid who's maybe 14, 13, 14 years of age, horrible existence, okay, uh, is in the lap of a, uh, of a prostitute uh, b- being uh, nursed by the prostitute, and people were offended by the sight of a, a woman's breast, okay. Uh, and I told the policeman, I said, I don't, it's not pornographic, that misses the point of the film. But I said, come on in, watch the film. And he said, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so he probably knew it had subtitles, okay. Uh, but, <clears throat> but, but then, on the other hand, <clears throat> uh, and, and I was telling someone the other night that I'm, I'm, like a lot of people, generally opposed to censorship. But I'm surprised on at least two occasions that I've I've been I've been the censor, okay. Uh, and uh, on one occasion, we were showing a film, and it's funny I don't remember the feature film, but this was a short. We always showed shorts with with the feature films, and it was uh, uh, night and fog, night and fog, um, <clears throat> about the German concentration camps, with much of the footage coming from. Uh, German footage. It was horrible. I mean, it was, and and before I showed the film, I said, I'm announcing to everybody that children have to leave. I'm not giving you a choice. Okay, this is whatever it is, 15 minutes. Please take your child outside, and I'll let you know when we get to the main uh, film. And that's the only time I've ever censored a film. Okay. Uh, 
But then we, there was an occasion where we had accidental censorship <clears throat> back when we had film films, okay? Uh, and this was the Russian version of, of, uh, of Hamlet, which went on, it seemed to me, like for three hours. It's a long, long film, okay? okay. Uh, but there was a soliloquy that was left out, and I talked with the projectionist, and he forgot to put that reel on the projector. Oh, just oh, left it out. Oh, wow. okay. So that, that was ac accidental censorship, okay? You hinted a little bit at um, what we're dealing with today. Um, I guess I have a general more ambitious question for you all, which is, uh, what do you feel like the role of film is today? Um, does it still have the same relevance that it, that it did when you, uh, during your tenure for, for this project? Well, let me start. Um, film is, is by far the most popular art form <laughs> today. And, uh, and not just in the United States, uh, all over. And we're really seeing uh, uh, international films just mushrooming. I mean, uh, I mean, let's face it. You have Amazon. You have uh, you have Netflix. You have lots of streaming services. So films uh, are extremely accessible. When Iris telling these stories, he's he's talking about a time in the film series where you actually used film. Yeah, and you and like you said, you had to go to a film. There was no other way to see it. But since, you know, the film series has started, the access is just amazing. You could buy the DVD. You could stream it. There, you could watch it 10 times. You could watch this particular scene 20 times. And so uh, uh, I think uh, there's some really great international uh, films being made today. And I mentioned entertainment films. It, it's almost become sort of the mythology of 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 modern culture. I mean, with the Star Trek, you have people all over the world wanting the next Star Wars movie to come out because they want to see what happens to these characters who they know about since they've seen the movies 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's almost, it's like a, it's like a mythology almost. Uh, and let me just say this and then I'll let you get, um, I think international films from specific countries, not the transnational ones, are extremely important. I mean, every day this world gets smaller, and we have to understand people from other cultures. We have to listen to them and uh, communicate with them, and we can do that th uh, through films. Most Americans know, oh, what's an example? Most Americans know things about other countries through the news. Let's say Iran. What does the average American think of Iran? Oh, that's the country that's building a nuclear bomb, and we don't want them to. But if you've seen a film, one of the great films from Iran in the past 20 years, you know that, wow, Iranians are human beings too. They have uh, weddings. They have funerals. They have conflict in their families. Uh, that wonderful film about the divorce between the couple and they were trying, the court was trying to decide where the 12-year-old was going to go. I mean, yeah, you see human beings in films from small countries, developing countries, and it reminds you that that uh, more uh, more unites us than, uh, than pulls us apart, really. Absolutely. You know, for years... We would have a, like a banner on the brochure, a window on the world. 
and, and now it's a lot easier traveling than it used to be, but, but it's a way, even if you can't afford to travel, you can travel through cinema to other countries, uh, and it's really eye-opening to have, to have that experience. And then I, I'm actually going to shift the subject a little bit before I forget, okay, I, I want to give a plug <clears throat> and demonstrate how things have changed, okay? Uh, this coming Thursday uh, at the Marion Theater, okay, they'll be showing, uh, I think, one of the great films. And here's my test of a great film. I'm willing to see it again <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. again and again, like everybody else. So The Third Man uh, is coming. Uh, and what triggered that thought when Joe was mentioning uh, streaming series, okay, for the very best in international films, okay, Janus Films and the Criterion Collection, you can stream it. You know, it's a, and not only stream the film, but many of the films, including The Third Man, they'll have a commentary. You can watch the film, and then you can watch it again and listen to the commentary, and it's amazing. Like, I didn't see this. I, I was not aware of that. And it's like, wow, it's a great introduction uh, to film. And so uh, it's amazing how in Ocala today, films like The Third Man are being shown uh, in a theater, okay, Marion Theater, Thursday, and it's repeated two, three other times in the course of the month, but you have to go online to check that out. But I'm, I'm so thankful the Marion Theater is open, good for downtown, good for Ocala, good for the community, and great for movies. Okay. Do you have any thoughts about the contemporary state of watching yes. movies? Yes, I was thinking, <laughs> but Joe was saying that the world has gotten so much smaller, and today I was thinking about a film that we did. It was called Turtles Can Fly. And it was about Kurdish children just before the Americans went into Iraq. Oh, yeah. And um, Saddam was, was still there. And the children uh, in the movie are from the, they're, they're from the towns and the refugee camps. And some of them have lost arms, they've lost legs uh, because they're out in the minefields. That was how they could make their money was to go out and pick up the mines that were still there and to carefully try to take them to someone who was going to give them enough money that they could buy a piece of bread to eat. And seeing this movie really brought back, um, you know, what we do not get on the news. This was the real story and how the, um, the people were living at that time. Yeah, that's a great film. It really opens your eyes. It's to one things. of my favorites. You mentioned non-professional actors, both of you have, and uh, that is something that happens a lot in international films, not only because it's ch cheaper to make them, because these are small countries trying to make a film, but because it, 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 it gives an authenticity to, to, to it, uh, using non-professional actors sometimes. And I just want to make this point. One of the great films of the last year, Nomadland, won all these awards, um, actually uses that. A lot of people in Nomadland about this woman who goes, you know, from trailer camp to trailer camp out west. It's, uh, uh, who stars in it? Uh, Frances McDormand, yeah. Uh, I saw an interview with her, and, like, they used a lot of non-professional actors in that film. It somehow makes it more authentic, and what they're saying, you know, on social media is that it was a great experience being in the film, uh, you know, I'm a nomad, and things like that. So that's, that's a, like a different perspective, but I, you know, I thought about it because it's something they use quite often in international films from smaller countries, uh, non-professional actors. 
You know, a great example of that, of using uh, non-professional actors, is uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, made by uh, Pasolini. <clears throat> and I think all the actors, ex except maybe one, uh, were just people who lived in, in the area, okay? And that is, is it's an unbelievably powerful film because they had a great scriptwriter, Matthew. <laughs> okay. But what's, what's interesting <laughs> about oh, the film, I know, <laughs> is that the man who made the film <clears throat> okay, uh, was not a Christian. He was, in fact, an atheist, a Marxist, and other is that we could add to that that we might not consider to be complimentary. And what a, what a challenge it was to make a film. And, and, and I think this is for all of us, uh, including me. <clears throat> If, if you don't believe in something, the challenge is to understand it and to explain it without saying, I yeah. believe, okay? But, right. and, and people don't want to be bothered with that. You know, I don't understand it, it but that's it, okay? Yeah. Well, I'm my opinion it. of it. I don't need anything else. Yeah. This is my opinion. It's not based on anything, but this is my... Yeah, we live in that kind of culture now with social media. So. Interesting. Well, um, so you guys are... Um, helping i guess uh, you you chose some films um to put forward at the uh 60th anniversary starting in the spring mm -hmm. um what movies did you choose to show and why <laughs> i think ira do, would you like to go first well, this is actually the only one i know about because i don't know the rest of the uh, the schedule yet so i hope we, we, maybe we could pull some information there <laughs> okay. mm. i don't uh, know this is this is a film by Agnes Varda, uh, the French director, <clears throat> called Cleo from 5 to 7. Uh, Cleo is an uh, entertainer, an actress, uh, a singer, and uh, she leaves the doctor's office at 5 o'clock uh, after having had a biopsy, and it's not clear what the results of the biopsy will be. Okay. And so she has, she has two hours before she goes back. So there's that moment of, of, uh, moment of questioning and truth, like what is my life all about and is this the end? And, and you don't know. So it's really it's a, it's a fascinating film, okay? Uh, and I'm, I'm not clear whether I'm supposed to lead this discussion or not, but if I'm, <laughs> if I'm called on, I, 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 I will, okay? And then... Uh, Agnes Varda herself died like two years ago from cancer, so one of those things. And Joe, help me, what was the name of the film that you showed two years ago, uh, Varda's film? Oh, it was the Ma photographers. The Faces, Places. Faces, Places, a Great yeah. film, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorites. It was a documentary about her. Yes. About Agnes Varda. Yeah, so it's this older person, uh, Agnes Varda, and the younger, younger and the photographer. The younger photographer, yeah, okay. doing those huge portraits, on the, huge on, portraits. On, talk about public art, okay, on the side of a building, you know. Yeah. Huge portrait, okay, yeah, nice film. So, yeah. All right, so I, I don't know the other films in the film series. Well, I'm going to be doing one, uh, it's a Russian film, and it's called Ivan's Childhood. And it's going to be during the war, and it's a child who should have had a normal childhood. He's this beautiful child with a beautiful family. His mother is lovely. His sister is so pretty. And, of course, it's not going to be a pretty film because the town is going to be wiped out, and then he's going to have a totally different life in the war. 
and partly about what he wants. He's only 12 years old, but he knows he does not want to go to school. He wants to be a soldier, and um, so it's going to compare what his life could have been to what it really is. Very, very powerful movie. And one of the great things that, that, that Wendy Adams is doing, and it's interesting how we're forced to create uh, through hard times, and COVID has been uh, a, a tough period, especially for getting people to turn out, including me, you know, in a public performance. Uh, and so uh, when I mentioned that we had four venues on this campus, we started in, in what is now the Humanities Building, Back then, we only had two buildings on campus. Okay, we had what's now the administration building, and the humanities building, which then was the science building, uh, and uh, the auditorium in, in uh, the science audit buildings where we sorted out. And back then, when you mentioned about having film, okay, film was the easy part. The projectors were the hard part. You had to carry <laughs> these heavy projectors down there. Okay, we, we had to run wires down the aisle because we didn't have any sound system in there at all. So all this had to be done uh, ahead of time. Okay, and we did not have a projectionist. You know, so it was, it was, I, I had to project the films. Okay, and and I remember it was like our second or third film, the, the Seven Samurai, which is a long film. Okay. And I'm sitting in the back trying to adjust it. And this was like an epiphany for me, okay? Not the film. The student leaned over and said, try these glasses. I put the glasses on. I could see again. I could see. So that, that's, that's when I first started wearing uh, uh, glasses. Okay. And so we started out in the science building, which is now the uh, humanities building. We then moved... Uh, to this building, the Fine Arts Auditorium. And there's a story about this building that maybe you've heard, Joe, and it may be true, okay? But it's one of those stories that's too good to leave out. And I think it may be true, okay? The, uh, the vice president at the time, Arnold uh, Virtula, was from Finland, and he had proposed a, a Fine Arts building. And the state said, no, no, your college is not big enough for a building that size. So he re redrew the plans, okay, for two buildings connected by a patio. And that's what we wound up with, okay? And now the patio has been enclosed, so we have like one building. And so the, the auditorium here would seat, was it 297, 279, I think 279 people, okay? And back then, we often had a, a, a 200, 250 people would show up, okay? It's very popular. <clears throat> and then we used the, uh, the Weber Center, okay? So, uh, um, and I thought there was another location but, um, the, but the fourth location, I'll, I'll say now, thanks to Wendy, facing COVID, okay, we, we, people are not going to come indoors. And she moved the film series to the Ocala Drive-In Theater. What, yeah. a, what a stroke oh, of inspiration, really smart, okay? Yeah. That worked out really nicely, okay? And now, fingers crossed, we'll be back beginning January 25th, okay? And through the, the, the greatness of Zoom, she did this last year, she's doing it again this year, that we'll have film scholars available for each film, talking about each film. That's, that's, that's beautifully done, okay? And we, we know a little bit, and you know, you've taught the film course. We all learn a lot because we read and we read and we read. But to have a, a, an expert on whatever the film is, talking with people on Zoom, that's, that's an amazing contribution. It was wonderful last year. She yeah. did a good job. And I have a nice little story about Ira 
and myself at the same time talking about the, the films that used to have the canisters of the, we call it cellophane, uh, what they're made out of, uh, celluloid. So there was a day at the Appleton, I'm ready to show a movie, and somebody says, Ira Holmes is in the lobby. And so I thought, okay, well, that I've always wanted him to come and hear my discussions and see how I'm doing. But you know, I'm still a little bit nervous about it, and I want everything to go right. Well, that day, all of a sudden, I don't have any sound when the movie, the film starts. The machine, there's no sound. <laughs> Finally get that fixed, and then there are no subtitles. It was a day where if anything was going to go wrong, everything went wrong. And now I'm even more nervous because Ira is in the audience watching this, and I can't get this the machines to behave. So afterwards, I went, we talked about it. I said, oh, I was so embarrassed that this happened. And he says, no, he said, you know, I have all the empathy in the world when that was happening because he said, when I had the celluloid films, he said, I always had to carry a, in my pocket some, a strip of tape and have tape there because they were constantly breaking and we had to tape them back together. And he said, that was a lot worse than what was happening with you. So, and I never forgot. <laughs> and, you know, we, we were lucky enough with the support of the foundation uh, to buy a new film projector uh, for uh, uh, upstairs in the auditorium. It never worked correctly, okay? It was the most frustrating year that we had because every time it was repaired, and I'd, I'd come and say, the projector's been repaired, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it would work like for 20 minutes or something like that, and it would, it would break down frequently, and there was nothing you could do about it except be patient, you know, we're working on. That was the most frustrating year that we had, so, that, that I recall. That's <laughs> uh, happened to all of us. <laughs> so, yeah. And now, you know, and Joe, I know you've had troubles, but, but with, with DVDs and, and uh, it's, it's just you push a button and 99% of the time it works yeah, fine. 99% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> or you have Japanese subtitles, right? <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you all so much for your time today. And I can't wait for the film series, um, which um, Professor Adams will be... Um, sending out to the community. I guess uh, the first film uh, is going to start on uh, January 25th, and it will be Agnes Varda's uh, Cleo from 5 to 7, possibly hosted by Holm Mr. Holmes, Dr. Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the time? Oh, I don't know. Uh, January 25th. Usually, uh, I think, okay, I, I'll be there for the evening one, maybe for the afternoon. I don't know, maybe you'll be there for the afternoon. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. I heard that you were going to be there for the afternoon. I used to do it twice. Uh, I used to do it three times.
of race, color, ethnicity, religion, gender, pregnancy, age, marital status, national origin, genetic information, sexual orientation, gender identity, veteran status or disability status, in its employment practices, or in the admission and treatment of students. Recognizing that sexual harassment constitutes discrimination on the basis of gender and violates this policy statement, the college will not tolerate such activity. The College of Central Florida is an equal opportunity college and avows its belief in equal access and opportunity for all students, employees, and guests of the institution. If you have a concern regarding discrimination or harassment, please contact Dr. Mary Ann Begley, our Title IX Coordinator and Equity Office. So, uh, Joe Zimmerman was saying something about uh, how a lot of films are action films and entertainment. And that's fine. We need entertainment uh, in, in our lives, okay? Uh, but the films we show are really designed uh, not, not as action movies. Some of them have almost no action. We showed uh, My Dinner with Andre uh, years ago. <laughs> the only action... <laughs> He gets in a taxi, he goes to the cafe, and he sits with Andre Gregory, the he is uh, Wallace Shawn, okay, and they talk for like an hour and a half. But it's a fascinating conversation to hear these two brains uh, connecting. So there's a lot to think about. And so the films that we show, I think, are designed to, to entertain, yes, but even more to get people to think about what's, what's going on. And so I am so happy that I have a five-year-old grandson now, and he's being exposed uh, to films. Okay, the first film he saw was uh, the Red Balloon, French movie. Okay, uh, but almost entirely silent. Okay, and uh, he loved it. He loved it. And I thought, oh, it's a great beginning. And we saw uh, Treasure Island uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were watching it. And he turned to me, and he said, "Is Long John Silver a good guy or a bad guy?" <laughs> And I said, let's, let's stop the movie, we'll talk about that. <laughs> and you know, when you talk with children, you want to keep it short and give them a chance to, to say yeah. whether they're bored or not. If they want to ask another question, they can. And I said, you know, it's really complicated because uh, good people sometimes do bad things. And sometimes bad people do good things. That's the category of Long John Silver. Not a good guy, but he does, he does some good things. So we live, we live in a complicated world. And so much of what I was brought up with, and it hasn't changed that much, good guys are good guys, period. I mean, the Lone Ranger was a good guy, okay? Tom Mix was a good guy. <laughs> Superman was a good guy. But what, what we need to realize is that bad guys have mummies and daddies. Bad guys have children, okay? And, and sometimes bad guys do bad things, okay? And we have to be aware that it's a really complicated world we live in, except in comic strips and action movies, okay? <laughs>